ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another edition of Straight Talking English. We are so very close to the end of season four now. Thankfully, I honestly did not think this project would take six months. And much like a year 11, counting down to their exams, I am ready to move on to the next phase here, people. I am Catherine, I am the host. As ever, straighttalkingenglish.co.uk. You can buy my books, you can click on the link that says support the show and buy me the fuel upon which education runs coffee alternatively you can talk to me on sdra talk english on twitter but mostly check out straighttalkingenglish.co.uk you can see a bunch of cool videos you can listen to the back catalogue podcast you can buy the book that goes along with this episode which is aqa power and conflict the full context right let's go peeps it is the big bad it's the poem that everybody hates Honestly, not even my favourite MTS Darker. Terrorist at my table, I feel is a lot better. But what are you gonna do? We have tissue. I used to be scared of tissue until I started teaching it and then I realised I quite liked it. Then, <laughs> story of my life, I started researching the context and then I realised it was pretty dang cool. So, when we think about the context of a poem, we don't just have to think about the writer's life, we have to think of it in the context of the collection it's in. So for example, if a collection has a whole theme, then that's what we're looking at. And when I start talking about Before You Were Mine, you're gonna see what I mean. The theme of this collection, it was published in 2006, the collection is called Terrorist at My Table. It is designed to be read in three sequences within the book rather than individual poems. So by taking tissue on its own, we're already missing the trick. But we're asked who the you is in tissue, who is the speaker, lots of interpretations, just a couple of reviews of the whole sequence tells us it's God. The answer is the speaker is God. The reviews claim an anguished god surveys a world stricken by fundamentalism in these powerful poems by a writer whose cultural experience spans three countries, Pakistan, Britain and India. Her themes drawn from a life of transitions, childhood exile, journeying home, displacement, religious strife and terror and grief. God, with a capital G, is looking down upon us mere mortals and saying, why can't we do better? Why are we building these divisions? Why are we creating strife? Why are we creating grief, displacement? If we actually realise the most important thing is ourselves and our bodies, we'd all be a lot happier. Boom, done. There you go, the speaker. Bang! Like, honestly, I, I don't like falling for simplistic answers, and obviously every reading is valid, but in this case, that's what it's supposed to be. There you go, now you know, three minutes done. This collection, Terrorist at My Table, is all about asking questions about how we live, how we work, how we travel, how we eat, how we react to the news, how we prepare for attack. What do any of us know about the person who shares a street, a house, a table, or our body? When life is in the hands of a fellow traveller, a neighbour, a lover, a son, a daughter, how does the world shift and reform around ourselves? Our perceptions are constantly changing, and we don't always know what's going on around us, and that's 
what she's trying to get at. Continuing again with this review I found. This is life seen through distorting scenes, a windscreen, a TV screen, newsprint, mirror, water, breath, heat haze, smokescreen. Each poem cuts a different slice through the terrain of what we think of as normal. But through all the uncertainties and concealments, her poems unveil the delicate skin of love, trust and recognition. What we have all in common is that we are made of living tissue and that is structure that is being built up. Mark Kolansky is a historian. He wrote a really cool book about the history of paper. And when I was reading it, initially I was like, this is going to be dull but it was actually really involving mark kolansky paper like big recommendation he says there is one uniquely human trait people record they record their deeds their emotions their thoughts their ideas they have an impulse to record almost everything that enters their minds and to save it for future generations it's this urge that led to the invention of paper and in turn tissue so I'm, I'm using these interchangeably because tissue paper yeah rather than focusing on tissue as like a hygiene product i'm going to focus it as being a subset of paper so if we're saying that paper is a metaphor for a shared humanity we can also see it as a metaphor for Imtiaz darker's life she was born in Lahore in Pakistan her family moved to Glasgow when she was just a little baby and Paper is a Middle Eastern invention. It comes from the Arabic world through Europe. Europeans were using vellum, which is basically very, very thin leather, usually from like the belly of a baby cow, of a calf. But the Islamic world, the greater area of the Middle East and Africa that we call the Islamic world due to a shared faith, they knew all about paper. Mark Kolansky continues, the great callig calligraphers of the Quran were respected as holy men. In fact, it says in the Quran that God gave us the pen, suggesting that writing comes from God. The Islamic Empire was the world's first truly literate society. The Muslims believed that the written word was privileged not just for the elite few, but for the population at large, rich and poor, religious and secular. Paper then serves as a metaphor for like the blended world that we live in now it could be this metaphor like you know of how the world should be rather like all cultures living in harmony joining hands singing we are the world and yeah okay i get i'm living in south london i can go to the turkish shop i can go to the nigerian hairdressers i can go to the italian place run by actual italians so you know it's good a very short walk from my house but i'm recording this while the black lives matter protests are still going on so we can't say there's this perfect blending of international cultures and we can kind of pretend yeah we're a multicultural society but actually we're very much split along lines of skin color along lines of culture along lines of faith paper is supposed to bring us together but divisions are still remaining I wanted to think about Islamophobia as a specific division. 
because MTR Starker is Muslim. This account is from a young lady called Fabrosa, who is from Bolton. She said to the Independent in a newspaper, when we were young, my siblings and I couldn't go to the park behind our house because we risked being beaten up. I went to a religious school that was just like a normal secondary school aside from lessons starting with a prayer. But every time we went out on school trips, people would call us terrorists and shout Allahu Akbar at us. I learned from a young age that when people shout terrorist in public, no one around will defend you. Suddenly everyone's deaf. Society already alienates you, but when Islamophobia happens in real life, it's a hundred times scarier. Once, we had the back door of our house kicked in, so my parents called the police. They didn't come out to see us. It happened again the next day and they still didn't show up. And Imtiaz Darka's identity as a Muslim woman, as a non-white woman, is really, really important to understand her position. She sees what society could be, but the reality of her lived experience is different. I don't have anything that I've been able to find indicating that she's been a victim of Islamophobia or a victim of prejudice, but I feel like it's reasonable growing up at the time she was in a mostly white area it's entirely reasonable to think that she was the victim of some kind of prejudice really really fabulous writer Ardath S-O-U-E-I-F which I'm going to go with as Soaf is another contemporary Muslim writer and she's tapping into this sense of alienation the sense of well this is what things could be but it's not what they actually are she says living alone I know I am not alone in the experience of alienation there are hundreds of thousands of us people with an Arab or a Muslim background living in the West and doing daily double takes when faced by their reflection in a Western mirror I feel upset and angered by the misrepresentations I encountered constantly, and I feel grateful when a clear-eyed truth is spoken about us. Then again, who is us? And that was included in a really, really fab book that I recommend. It's called The Things I Would Tell You, British Muslim Women Write. And this was part of her article, her contribution, called The Mezzateza. The Mezzateza seems to be this state of perfection when we realise that it's turned into your skin, when we realise that the structure that we're raising is made of us. And so F describes the Mezzaterra yeah, as saying, the rewards for inhabiting the Mezzaterra are enormous. At best it endows each thing at this moment with the shine of the new, the patina of the old, the language, the people, the landscape, the food of one culture constantly reflected off the other. This is not a process of comparison, not a which is better than which project, but rather a distillation and an enrichment of each thing, each idea. It means, for example, you are both on the inside and outside of language, within each culture your stance cannot help but be both critical and empathetic. So there's this really hopeful side to our poem tissue. There's this really like empathetic kind of utopian vibe that if we all just realise that divisions are artificial, then we can build something better. And it's coming from this divine beings looking down. Some revision guides, by the way, have just said, this is a poem about 9-11 and uh, I mean blah 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 my historian hat on for a sec I mean I guess so many things in our lives now are because of 9-11 I mean when I went to America two years ago I had to have an interview 
when uh, boarding the plane just to double check that I was not being suspect on my visa and it was like where are you staying where are you going and I'm like I don't know I'm going going to the hotel <laughs> getting out of here going to the hotel in Boston like whatever I mean even something like that we can say is a legacy of 9-11 and we can say that the poet does address issues of Islamophobia coming from 9-11 but if we're saying this is a poem about Twin Towers that doesn't work I mean unless you're talking about Armitage's Out of the Blue which is a very sad poem and makes me cry quite a lot of the time and that is about witnessing people jumping to their deaths from the Twin Towers if we're talking history though the fact that Imtiaz Darker is a Pakistani lady is kind of important because the partition of India and Pakistan is a really good example I mean like a really relevant example it's not good uh, it's an example of a division by paper the document signed that created this division created two countries an incredible amount of bloodshed heartache let me tell you a little bit more about this in August 1947, when, after 300 years in India, the British finally left, the subcontinent was partitioned into two independent nation-states, Hindu-majority India and Muslim-majority Pakistan. Immediately, there began one of the greatest migrations in human history, as millions of Muslims trekked to West and East Pakistan. Um, East Pakistan is now known as Bangladesh, while millions of Hindus and Sikhs headed in the opposite direction. But many hundreds of thousands never made it. Across the Indian subcontinent, communities that had coexisted for almost a millennium attacked each other in a terrifying outbreak of sectarian violence, with Hindus and Sikhs on one side and Muslims on the other, a mutual genocide as unexpected as it was unprecedented. In Punjab and Bengal, provinces abutting India's borders with West and East Pakistan, respectively. The carnage was especially intense, with massacres, arson, false conversions, mass abductions and savage sexual violence. By 1948, as the Great Migration grew to a close, more than 15 million people had been uprooted, and between 1 and 2 million were dead. The comparison with the death camps is not so far-fetched as it may seem. Partition is central to modern identity in the Indian subcontinent as the Holocaust is to identity among Jews, branded painfully on the regional consciousness by memories of almost unimaginable violence. The acclaimed Pakistani historian Ayesha Jalal has called partition the central historical event in 20th century South Asia. She writes a defining moment that is neither beginning nor end. Partition continues to influence how the peoples and states of post-colonial South Asia, post-colonial South Asia, envisage their past, present and future. That's from an article in the New Yorker by William Darrenpool called The Great Divide. So our poet is not only coming from a place where division is created by paper, by a stroke of pen that separates countries. She's also coming from a place where there's religious division. Moving to the UK, we've got racial division, we've got cultural faith division. We've got 9-11 causing Islamophobia and the suspicions of terrorism. And she's taking the position of this divine being, of this God looking down, saying, what are we doing, humans? What are we doing? Why can't we do a little bit better? Why can't we sort all of this out? And like I said, I grew to like this poem because it's one that you have to wrap your head around. One that's a little bit of a head scratcher 
to start with and it strikes you as being beautiful but you're kind of like all right all right what's going on here i don't know and the weirdest comparison that always comes to mind is showing my age now brian wilson from the beach boys and um, i saw him premiere their lost album smile at the royal festival hall back when i was 16 uh things you might not know i'm a massive beach boys fan and he plays this lost album and it's so beyond human comprehension like i was just listening and i'm like i cannot comprehend what is happening it's not good it's not bad it's just so vast that like no wonder it gave him some mental health problems because this whole album is just like beyond our understanding and that's what i'm thinking when i think of tissue is that unless you really take the time to wrap wrap those noodles in your head right around this one it's just kind of beyond and part of me thinks that like we're not supposed to be trying to unwrap this one it's not like blakey where he wants you to understand the individual images to further his point that is like the king is bad like let's all just be random weird blakey people and talk to angels i don't think this one is meant to be unwrapped i think we're just supposed to read it and think about it uh that said well don't uh don't quote me in that one when uh, the gcse's eventually come back don't be saying oh well this woman this woman on the internet told me not to understand it but that's my vibe on this that's my feeling right a bit of a shorter episode than normal today because i thought i'd tackle tissues separately thank you very much for listening ladies and gentlemen i will be returning very very soon next week in fact str8 talk english on twitter straighttalkenglish.co.uk buy the book that goes along with this episode for all of my show notes and your revision and listening needs thank you very much ladies and gentlemen i will see you in a week